Hey guys, welcome back. BGC Care here, and back with our weekly Q and A, whose name has morphed into longer and longer uh, ver variations of itself to encompass sort of all the complexities of it. Uh, this is season six, episode thirty-one, and the important part is that Q and A is question and answer, and P is the fact that this exists in a podcast format, largely in part due to our patrons on Patreon. And if you're on the video and say, "Hey," or don't say, I guess, and are thinking to yourself, hey, uh, I'd like to listen to this as a podcast, although I guess you could say it out loud. That seems like a sort of weird choice for you to have made. Uh, okay. Then you can check out the links in the description to view it on a lot of different podcasting platforms. Okay, speaking of saying it out loud, I just want to say something that I heard on another podcast. I don't remember which one it was. It might have been Conan O'Brien's or it might have been Dak Shepard's, but it's the, along the lines of the joke of, hey, out loud. And sometimes things are just funnier because... When somebody says it out loud or you're imagining them saying it out loud, there's a whole picture in your head. So apparently, Carol Channing, you probably oh don't know God. her. She's a really old comedian. And apparently, this other comedian was working on her show. Carol Channing was the big deal. She was the star. She had her own washroom and stuff. And apparent, I guess the idea was that this washroom nobody else could use. Or nobody else was supposed to use it unless you're a big shot. So there are two stalls in it. Somebody was there using it and was embarrassed when Carol Channing came in, um, pulled up her feet from the stall to make sure it looked like nobody was there. Carol Channing went into the other stall, did her business very loudly, and all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, a moment later, you'd hear, corn? When did I have corn? <laughs> this is much funnier to you than it ever has been to me, and I've heard it so many times. Um, There's just something, the, the idea that, all right, so to me, the idea that she's saying it out loud, and, and, when potentially she thinks there's nobody there and I have this mental picture of her looking and being aghast at mm -hmm. well something there that shouldn't be there and anyway so it plays on the, all the ideas like poop is always funny poop jokes and fart jokes are always funny and this is sort of an extension of that okay well anyways getting on to the questions our first one comes from Elias Cubio uh, I don't know how that last name is pronounced. It's E-L-I-A-S-C-U-B-I-L-L-O. As always, let us know. And by us, I do mean me. You will be informing both of us, but you'll be reprimanding me if well, I pronounced it wrong. I'm willing to stand with that. Elias sounds right. Cubillo is... It looks like a Hispanic name, so that the the double L's come off as a yo instead of a low, right? Like in like English is okay, low. So in Cubillo, that case... Correct both of us if we're wrong. Yeah. Uh, and they ask, can you give me tips on what non-legendary gear to put on my Batman, Ninja, Catwoman, and Nightwing, please? I've got fourth world chestplate and lightning cloak on Nightwing, custom pistols, bloody sword, and hyperspeed suit on Catwoman. So I'm going to maybe take this question, and I think out of the two characters, Nightwing is the least important. If you've got Batman, Ninja, Catwoman, I, I felt... As soon as she was released, she is the best metal character. So far, anyways. Her yeah. passive is spectacular. And it matters less what you're going to do with Nightwing, because you can decide to make him something, a tank, whatever, but you you are potentially doing a huge amount of um, damage with Batman Ninja Catwoman. So her features are passive, um, and... The first step is figuring out how you're going to trigger it, either with a tag-in or special two. Um, the other option that's listed in our passive is where you knock out her opponent. It's not really a consideration, only because you have a lot less control over it than you do. Um, 
tagging in. Yeah. Or generating power to gen- uh, to do a special. You can't really gear her to knock out opponents. That's You're true. doing that all the time. It'll it'll happen or it won't. And normally it'll happen if you gear her right. Right, yeah. Any any damage output thing is going to be uh, increasing your potential to knock out the opponent, right? Yeah, which is pretty much always how you're gearing everybody who's not a tank. Right. So here's the thing. Her damage boost is on her basics, not her specials. So once you've triggered her passive, I think you really need to be doing a lot of basics to get the most out of her. Um, and so th- then that becomes your choice. You've got three gear slots. you got to figure out how many of your gear slots you're going to use to try to trigger her passive faster Yeah. or make her passive more useful after you've triggered it. Yeah. And they're not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might be thinking, you know, after you trigger passive, you boost crit chance on basics or you boost your basic damage. And that's kind of partly right. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the thing, though. Master's Death Card... It does. Um, it lets you have lots of unblocked combos when you tag in if they're not blocking, mm-hmm. and that ties. In, yeah, and that t- ties in nicely to her passive because all right. So like just like right now, when we watch Deathstroke come in on Harley Quinn, Deathcart does a bunch of uh, little pitter pat hits. Yeah, she's not blocking, and if you wait, even if she is blocking, and you wait until sort of the tail end, the last couple of hits, if you time it right, they um, release the block. Yeah, the AI releases it. So, you get power gen on those hits, and it meets both criteria of triggering her passive faster and taking advantage of her passive because... Yeah, if you're using the tag in, you get damage boosted, and then you get a free combo. Yes. And you get power just in case. Right, so you can get towards your second special, too. Yeah. And that free combo with the, what is it, 300% damage boost? That's ridiculous. So while she's while your opponent is getting pitter pattered with the master's death cart, mm-hmm. you can basically knock them out in, in in a couple of hits. Yeah. So yeah. So you definitely want crit chance. Master's death cart, I think, is almost made for her. The yeah. only way it would be different is if there was some sort of um, basic damage uh, enhancement, like a crit increase in crit chance. Yeah. Obviously, it would be better if it helped her specials. Right. Or if her passive helped her specials, I should say not Master's Death Guard. Right. Because Master's Death Guard does. Yes. Um, and here's the other thing, too. So you think passive, right? Like, we all, like the way we normally stack the teams is we try to lean into whatever the strength of their passive is. Yeah. And so we'll go different. Or their stats if they're really unbalanced. Right, right, right. That's true. Um, but here's the other thing. Astro Harness would be really useful. And I know, I know they said not... Um, not legendary gear. Yeah. But I want to start talking from that point because they did mention that they've got fourth world chest plate. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, not that's a Nightwing. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Custom pistols, bloody sword, and hyperspeed suit on Catwoman. So it's all non-legendary. Yeah. Gear. So Master Death Card is another. That's a legendary gear recommendation too. Yeah. Um, so Astro Harness because the invulnerabilities give her a better chance for getting lots of unblocked combos. And so that's not unlike Flashpoint Batman. Both of them just do so much basic damage uh, that giving up a third slot for defensive purposes doesn't hurt nearly as much as you think it might. Yeah. Because she's just doing so much. So if we're looking at then just non-legendary gear, though. Yeah, because that was two legendary wrecks. Which they actually asked not for. Yeah. Not to not to suggest. Probably because, I guess, they're, they haven't been in the game long enough and they missed the... Uh, the returns when they had the legendaries in the the multiplayer yeah. seasons. Um, so then, and what's interesting about this one is I think this is like a 
bigger question just because they're uh, newer, right? Yes. How much are the passives upgraded, right? If they're newer, you know, we don't oh, know. We don't know what elite level they have their their guys to. You know, these metal characters, you might not be. Unfortunately, we might not be able to take for granted that the passives at a high level. So this is one of those questions in which, especially with metal characters, how upgraded they are matters actually quite a bit for how That's we answer. True. That's true because it's the difference between six seconds of her passive and you want to stack it over and over. Yeah. Or twenty one seconds of her passive, which really. If you're doing it right, you need. If you get that a couple of times, then you're done. Yeah. So if you're doing 21 and you don't have legendary gear, you probably mostly want to boost basic damage. Right, because boosting the power gen enough to do more than say one extra special two. Yeah. I think it's. A, I mean, I won't say it's impossible, but it's, it's difficult. challenging. Yeah, in, in a fight that you're actually winning properly. Yeah. That you don't want to be spending too much time trying to generate another uh, special two when you could. The time that it takes you to tag her in and tag her out to do her passive again yeah. is probably better, and maybe get a knockout. So that's that's really the where it comes down to it. Anything that can funnel you know more basic damage in. So that's boosting you know basic. Uh, that's boosting crit damage. That's boosting crit chance for basic damage depending on how you've augmented and what augments you have on your characters also matters a lot, right? When you're talking about people right. who have non-legendary gear, if right. you don't have crit damage augmented. Uh, or crit chance augmented, then you basically only want to boost straight percents on basic damage because you, the bonus damage you deal is not worth it uh, to f use gear that boosts your crit chance, right? If you unless don't have them augmented. Unless it combines it. Right, so let's see their choice. Bloody Sword, I think, is good because it boosts basic damage by 70% yeah. and crit chance by 40 Yeah. Uh, Custom Pistols is interesting because it, it boosts basic damage because none of these... Well, actually, the yeah, none of these are her own gear, her signature gear. So the custom pistols only gives you, each of these only gives you two abilities. So yeah. custom pistols will only give you, I believe it's like an unblockable chance of what? Like 11%, 10%, something ridiculously small. Um, and because her combo, her tap and her swipe combo are one hit, n unlike uh, reverse flash, which is uh, two hits, which would double mm -hmm. the, or all the flashes actually, which would double your chance. Um, I would probably not pick custom pistols. It's, if the unblockable chance was higher i would mm -hmm. but your chance at getting it unblocked is probably better just by timing it right and then taking advantage of something else that would boost her uh, crit chance yeah um so maybe not custom pistols maybe another um basic damage crit chance booster mm -hmm. unless you're fully augmented so that would be something like um another own comma yeah uh prometheum sword I mean, we can talk about the uh, power to scream sticks for Nightwing, mm -hmm. but we'll leave that alone. There's so many options, you don't need to do that. I think hyperspeed suit on Catwoman is probably a bit of a waste of a slot, because you get three abilities. What, the one that would have been good is flash only. I think that's the unblockable chance. Yeah. So you get power gen boost, and you get, I believe it's a special one, either crit chance or p special one boost. Mm -hmm. And if you're using Catwoman right, I, I think I don't really want to be um, bleeding her out using special one because it doesn't do enough damage. I mean, it does bleed out, and I know that her passive, if you uh, you sort of, what's the word for when you improve a passive? Um, you know, there's a, I mean, it's all different oh, language, like, right? Yeah, like the literal thing where, like, the upgraded, yeah, like, you, I don't know. Okay, so if you upgrade her passive, then Dark Power can make it unrinsable, right? So yeah, which just, is significantly better. But if... This is if you don't actually have legendary gear. To me, it feels like then the chance that it's she's fully upgraded is low. Yeah, 
And so I'm if I'm going to be doing another special, I'm going to be doing special too. I'm so, saving up yeah. the power to trigger passive again because the timer stacks. And maybe something else. I mean, maybe something to make her hardier. I, I'm just getting more enamored of the idea of these using these characters. Normally I just say do all gears into one thing, push them as hard as you can into one thing that they're good at. Mm-hmm. But lately I've been looking at guys like... Uh, Flashpoint Batman that we're seeing here where they're just so good already and the one thing that they're great at that what was that thing you talk about in games where oh. you increase it a little bit and it's not Crap. enough to make a difference I forget it's something about threshold I, yeah I, is it like a lethal difference or something I, d- I don't remember but yeah basically the idea is that when you're playing a game that's running based off of numbers there's like if you are currently killing an enemy in five hits yeah. It doesn't matter if you increase damage until you kill an enemy in four hits. Right. Right? So there's... there's When you're increasing numbers incrementally, there's a lot of ways to change the numbers that don't change the gameplay at all. Right. And that's really important to notice, especially when so many of these things are percents, right? Right, right. And so many, you know, so much of what ultimately ends up happening is uh, shaving off seconds, right? Because most of the teams that we play with are pretty consistently winnable. Right. So when you're when you're playing it like that, right, how, how things look on paper right. doesn't matter as much as how things play out. And if there's if you're not creating a functional improvement in gameplay, sometimes that extra gear isn't going right. to do much because you mow through people fast enough anyways that right. it's like you can't, that if you have the gear or not, it seems like you're doing pretty much the same thing. Right. That's that's the idea. Okay, yeah, yeah that's perfect. That, yeah, you summed that up perfectly. So, with um, uh, Catwoman, Batman Ninja Catwoman, I think that if you, all right. So maybe here's a second thought because I'm just off the top of my head. Um, you normally don't want to do special ones, but if you're going to take advantage of the second part of her passive, where her Batman Ninja teammates will rescue her, yeah, when she's almost knocked out, then there's a chance that she's going to tag back in with one health and you're, you're going to want to make her maybe a little bit hardier. Yeah. So one of the basic damage boosters, again, to take advantage of her, her damage passive, her offensive part of her passive would mm-hmm. be like mutated bone spikes or knife collection because it boosts her basic damage. Um, it doesn't boost the crit chance, which I would like, but it heals on special one. Mm-hmm. So having her, Again, normally I'm not a big fan of healing, but if you're not using legendary gear like Astro Harness, then you almost need to heal her a little bit if you want her to be a bit hardier. And I guess you'd have to... This is one of those situations where I think playing it out with her would make a lot more sense to get a feel for it, to see how often you'd actually need the healing. If you just don't do any healing, but give her, you know, so two basic damage boosters, or maybe three basic damage boosters, or three basic crit chance boosters. Yeah. To get you to as close to 100 as possible, so that when she does her 300 boosted, 300% boosted basic damage, it's crit. Yeah, and and the the interesting thing is because you actually mentioned the threshold difference, because we don't know how you know elited right how leveled right. up your all your stuff is right. We don't actually know what gear is going to make that gameplay difference. And the the cool thing about it is that the earlier on uh, you are as far as damage goes, yeah. right. The um like the the lower your your numbers are, the more every percent or every value increment makes a difference, right? Mm-hmm. But uh you know the more the higher up you are, 
uh, the less of a difference it makes. I think the easiest way to illustrate is when we talk about like the the noticeable threshold, right? Right. Like let's talk about uh, an example in which something has a hundred health, right? Yeah. And you talk and you can deal, you know. Anywhere between zero and a hundred damage, right? Mm-hmm. Where you sort of notice the differences at different stages. So when you're dealing one damage, it's a hundred hits. The difference between one and two, oh yeah, means you know. But then, 50 hits, yeah. but the second you get to you know fifty damage, right? Any number between fifty and ninety nine is exactly equivalent in how it plays, right? right. Because if you deal ninety nine damage, it still takes two hits. Right. If you deal fifty one damage, it takes two hits. So it'll really depend on the kinds of enemies you're facing, and because you know there's no example like that where you're dealing like half their damage in a single hit for right. almost everybody, right? right? It doesn't. Uh, it's not going to be that sort of insignificant. Right. Uh, if they're super like max, uh, leveled up in all the different ways, but it will it will matter a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, how sure. how far in you are. Uh, just from a, e- even if you're not accounting for the fact that like you know, it's a different math you do when your crit chance and crit damage is not fully augmented, right, right. Uh, where you know that becomes way less valuable, right? Because when you have crit damage fully augmented, it's super super valuable to get crit chance up. If you don't have crit damage augmented, it's what one fifty percent, right? Yeah, so, I think it's still good though. But you have to. It's fifty percent extra damage. Yeah. And it's only the percentage of the time that you're dealing that 50% extra damage. Yeah. So you have to, you know, basically multiply the crit chance that you have by 0. 0.5 right. to figure out how much actual increased damage over you're doing. The average over yeah. the, the And so, so okay. if you're, you know, if you can boost your basic damage by 70%, right? Yeah, you better. can't boost your crit damage by 140%, which is what would be required to boost your overall basic damage by 70%. Except if you put them both together, except in the same gear. If you are at crit, so the math gets a little funky, right? Because seventy percent is a straight up boost. Yeah. So it's a boost of plus seventy percent, whereas crit damage is a is a multiplier. It's geometric. Yeah. It's one point five times. That's true. So if you've got enough increased basic damage, like in Catwoman's case, yeah. boosting her basic damage by seventy percent may not be as valuable as boosting her crit chance by forty percent. That's true. So. Y- <laughs> See that that's the problem. We don't have the exact numbers. Is it's going to be really challenging because what what you have to do is <laughs> to figure out how much net damage over your baseline on average you're right, doing. Right. You have to add all the basic damages initially, yeah. right? So you start with one, and then you add like seventy percent is like zero point seven, right? Right. You add whatever fractions of one, and that's how much basic damage you're dealing. And then to figure out how much extra damage you're dealing, you need to add what your crit damage is minus one. So if you're dealing 150% crit damage, you need to, you, that's 0.5. That's one minus, right. um, or sorry, that's the, the number minus one. And then multiply that by your crit chance. Right. And then multiply that by your basic damage to figure out how much you're dealing relative to just like stock standard, no gear. And so that's a big sort of, that's a big equation. And I don't know exactly how the numbers work right, out so with your in, specific character. In this case, Batman Ninja Catwoman, then to me, it's relatively simple. If she's not augmented for crit chance, I would give her at least two pieces of gear that boosts crit chance on on uh, basics. Hopefully, both of those will also boost her basic damage. Yeah. And then maybe give her a third one that will make it so that you can take more better advantage of the second part of her passive so that she can heal a little bit and survive if she tags back in after Nightwing yeah. saved her. 
and if listening to me talk about numbers there sucked, uh, I I have good news and bad news. I'm going to be talking about numbers again later. It's going to be it's going to suck less though. Hopefully. Okay. So here, if you if anybody's listening to this and heard the the typewriter or not the typewriter the keyboard going, I want to say typewriter. Yeah, big mechanical, clicky. chunky keyboard with its uh, Cherry MX blue switches. Clicky clicky. Or is there Cherry MX or just Cherry equivalent? They're Cherry MX blue. Oh wow, that, fancy. Okay. Hey, I picked the correct keyboard. Right. I didn't want to. So, I didn't want to. Uh, downgrade on any MX equivalents. Okay. So the reason I did that was because I hardly play Batman Ninja Nightwing. I know the second part of the question was about Batman Ninja Nightwing and about how to gear both of them. And normally, to, in my mind, Batman Ninja Catwoman is strong enough by herself if you've geared her right that she is really it. That mm-hmm. you don't need to worry about him. But I thought I'd at least take a look at his passive again to figure out if there's something there to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. So it's, his Shinobi Arts is when a Batman Ninja ally blocks an opponent's special attack, they gain 100 to 200% power per block hit. Ooh, that's pretty good. Teammates drain 25 to 50% of opponent's power on tag-in. Interesting. Okay, so what that means is he's going to make a pretty interesting tank that when he tags in, he gets power. And if they do specials, he'll gain power. What you'll what's interesting about that is it buys you time so that your cooldown clock for tag-ins means that you're going to be closer to tagging batman ninja catwoman back in as soon as possible Mm -hmm. so is there anything that you'd want to do with him besides i mean making him a tank you can't really make him tag out any faster and what having well you can't make him tag out faster with hawk girl Oh yeah, but that means a different. That's uh, your third slot. Yeah, that's your third slot. Yeah, for sure. So I mean, uh, that's actually, both of them are pretty good at tag outs and tag ins. So that might be a good recommendation. Is Hawk roll in your third slot to take advantage of Catwoman's passive if you want it, right? And then um, I and guess Nightwings. Yeah, and the if you can't make a if you don't have legendary gear, using something that will make him block a little better would be good. Yeah, because you're gonna be the more times you block. The more power you'll get, and but you also want to survive those blocks. Yeah, and then I guess it doesn't really matter. You don't necessarily want to do more damage on specials because in my mind the specials, the advantage of the specials are to um, buy more time to take back in Catwoman. Yeah, and I don't know that you actually there's any kind of gear that will make give you some sort of advantage to help your teammates, which is what we really want to do. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that, did that answer the question? I think it did overall. Let's see, so, uh, just, oh, Catwoman and Nightwing. Yeah, yeah so Hawkgirl is a great, I mean, I'm surprised that more, we don't bump into more teams that use Hawkgirl, because her passive is non-parai, so there's no parallel to it, and it is wonderful for all these people that have uh, passive that triggers on Tagen. Yeah, or gears that trigger on Tagen, like Master's Death Cart. Right. Yeah, yeah. if you don't have Master's Death Cart, you really should be using it. If that happens to be one of the legendary gear that you've already got that you didn't mention, mm-hmm. that would be great. Because she is, like, can you imagine every time you tag in, pitter-patter, pitter-patter, they're not blocking, you get in a good swipe combo. Yeah. You've bought yourself a little bit of time. That swipe combo might have been enough to give you, to generate the power that you need. Mm-hmm. Do a special tag out. And then wait till she triggers her special again, tag back in. Yeah. Um, Actually, you know what? One thing I, I, I never checked, and I probably should at some point, is the countdown clock, or her the clock for her passive. I wonder if those 6 seconds or 20 seconds or whatever it is, does it still keep on counting down if she tags out? 
Or do you still get it when she comes back? I don't know. I'm thinking it probably you probably lose it if you tag out. So maybe you don't want to tag sense. her out. Yeah. And you just want to keep on taking advantage of her and just generate more power. It'll depend on, almost entirely on, uh, how long it lasts for. If you've got the 21 seconds from it upgraded, then you probably don't care about tagging out and tagging in. But if you only have 6 seconds, tagging out and tagging in might be the quickest way to generate both power if you have something like Master's Death Cart. Although, you know, this one's talking about not Legendary Gear, right? Right. But tagging out and tagging in would re-trigger the passive every time. And if you're not killing people as fast as you want to, that would be something that would definitely speed up your tempo. Yeah. So that that's very dependent on how upgraded your characters are. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Uh, the next thing that we're going to talk about is not a question. It is something that came up uh, when we were talking most recently uh, in our most recent weekly recap, right? Because we go through the price of all the packs. And you mentioned that there was a pretty significant pricing difference between two of the packs, which are probably both meant to be 20 US dollar equivalent packs. And that inherently, you know, I I don't think there's too much interesting to say about that because it was just like a product of uh, probably the fact that it was different times when the exchange rate fluctuated. But we started talking a bit about different ways they could price it. And uh, I had an initial thought, which occurred to me, which was like, oh, well, it's probably pretty easy because you need online every time, right? Right. To actually buy the packs, to just have them find some sort of, like, direct currency conversion and use that. But then I realized almost instantly that I actually knew a bunch of reasons why that was wrong. And I think that's maybe an interesting discussion okay. of why games are priced the way that they are. All right. Um, so, I mean, the, the sort of standard for why games are priced the way that they are tends to be the North American, specifically the U.S. standard, right? So 60 right. U.S. for a game. And that's sort of the baseline price, which is largely because that's what everybody's agreed upon and people don't really want to pay more for games now. So Well, that's, it's become the norm, so it's acceptable. Yeah. So there's not as much resistance as there would be if people were to price it, say, at 75 or 80, right? Yeah, so there's, there's resistance to that. But if you don't live in the U.S., like us in Canada, you might have noticed that game rate is not nearly so strict, right? For when the prices of sort of goods... Uh, in Canada don't vary that much, right? Mm-hmm. Especially, like, you know, uh, I- I'm talking about essentials, right? Like food and okay. uh, all that stuff, right? The prices don't vary super wildly other than for, like, you know, like market forces within those markets, right? Oh, so there, there's a shortage. If yeah. there's, like, a, a storm somehow yeah. that wipes bread, out the crop Bread doesn't get super expensive, right? But games have increased in price significantly. So games started out as, you know, 60 bucks. Right, and as exchange rate has changed, yeah, uh, they've risen to about eighty dollars. Okay, but right, so can I just point out something before I forget it? Because I right, so we're at the eighty dollar point. We're talking about Canadian stuff. Yeah, I sh- I want to point out that in terms of pricing, though, games have done the same thing that some commodities have, because or at least consumer goods, where they try to keep the price the same because yeah. they know there's a lot of resistance to it. Yeah. But what they do is they give you less. And they've done that exactly with games with um, DLC and microtransactions. Right. Yeah. Um. So. There's less resistance because you're paying about the same. Yeah. But you're getting way less, and they end up gouging you for the money afterwards. Yeah, they've added you need more of it alternative later. revenue streams. Right. That's so, obviously not across the board. No, that's that's you know informative to this discussion too because games are really oh, expensive to make. Germane. Germane. That's Relevant. a good word. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But um, what I th- think is really interesting is that there's there's a lot of different forces. So the reason why just doing conversion, right, live conversion for in-app purchases, right? Because I'm talking about sort of big games as a whole. Wouldn't work is because there's a lot of... Basically, that's not the best way for them to make money. If they did it that way, that would be the way for them to most accurately represent 
uh, the the American cost, right? It would make everybody pay the same right. exact same amount for the microtransactions. Right. But that's not the best for them because the American cost is totally arbitrary, right? Mm -hmm. They've they've picked it based off of, and I don't mean totally arbitrary. I mean it's probably based off of some marketability, right? They well, think or, it's profitable. Or I guess maybe it's. The, I mean, if the game companies are based in the states, yeah, their costs are going to be in American dollars, yeah, and so they want that part to be fixed, but right? What I mean is them selecting whatever number. They oh, select it, okay. Yeah. Right? So $20, right? It's a nice round number. It looks good, right? That's probably why they do like nineteen ninety nine, right? There's the sort of psychology. Oh, like, like a dollar in the app store. Yeah. There's there's the psychology of pricing things the way that they are priced. Right. Right? But, you know, that's in American dollars, and that's pretty arbitrary. Might, you know, if another currency displayed a different number, might people pay the equivalent of 22 US? Might people pay the equivalent of, oh, you know, sure. 18? Right? So it's an arbitrary price point. So when you switch to another currency, right? it's probably as important to have it be sort of that like nice round number, the sort of right. psychologically appealing uh, number that it is to actually accurately uh, mimic a number that was picked sort of probably half based off of uh, the idea of supply and demand for, for cost, right? Where the more right. they charge for it, the less people would buy. But also probably partially picked arbitrarily just based off of the fact that that was a nice round number. Well, because there's that separation, right? I think we talked about it. I can't remember what context, but you price it either according to how much it costs you to make it. Yeah. And or you price it according to what the market will bear. Yeah, but for this digital good, it has nothing to do with how much it costs to make it because the price per unit is, you know... Except, all initial cost right so that's a sort of a an actuarial kind of calculation to decide okay so we're going to price it over the life of this game how many units we expect to sell and how much of the price in each one is going to go towards our development costs yeah and the the other sort of factor which is really obvious as soon as you think about it right is that in different places people have different standards of living people have different amounts of money people spend different on entertainment right. budgets right. so if you just did sort of currency conversions when you look at different places uh where you know cost of living is totally totally different and their demographic is making you know when you convert it into u.s dollars wildly different amounts of money right, right. super super variable sorry i'm going to interrupt you really quickly because this happens to be on the screen um, what you're watching when we're flipping through the Phantom Zone going back between the elite level and the veteran level is looking for the number of tasks that are going to be manageable and doable. So in my mind, the ideal is four tasks that are all doable. Yeah. If I can't get all four, if it's taking too long, I'm willing to accept one that is undoable. In, in my mind, undoable is something that I won't do with this team, which is yeah. either stun, super move, or steal power. Mm -hmm. Just takes too long. I'd have to switch to a different team, change all the gear loadout. So four things that I can do easily, or sorry, four things that I can do, or at least the three that I can do easily with one of them being mm -hmm. a 10 online fights because it's worth a lot and it's dead easy to do. Mm -hmm. Sorry, go ahead. I just want to point that out while I was on the screen. So uh, that consideration, right, how much people can pay, right, right. is another really important consideration because it's the... Ex it's the, the it's a really important one when, like we just said, the price per unit is, right. you know, zero once you've already made it. Right, what right? the market will bear. So when they're selling it, really, it makes more sense, even if you're selling it for like 10 cents, right, and it's 20 US, uh, if that's the only price that people would pay for it in a certain, you know, country, right, right. and I'm not right. saying that that's true, right, because in any, you know, market where people are owning smartphones, right, there's a certain... Uh, 
minimum, right? And especially when it's a smartphone that can run injustice, right? Right, right. Uh, there's a certain sort of like minimum amount of money that you have to have, right, to, to right. have that. So, you know, 10 cents would not be realistic, but it makes more sense for them to sell it for literally whatever is going to sell uh, than it does for them to, you know, hold out for a higher cost. Right. And what's interesting is that actually has a bunch of ripple effects in the gaming industry at large. And there's what's called gray market sellers for games, yes. right? Uh, sites like G2A. Uh, and one of the principles that they operate on is different countries having different starting prices for games. Right, right. So people will be able to sort of make money because whatever country they live in uh, sells games at a rate which is, you know, when you do the conversion, like in the global economy, cheaper than right. the U.S. And so they sell it for more than they what they got it for, but still less than what the other region or country yeah, well, they can buy it for so that they're they're exploiting the difference in price. Th that happens in the stock market, yeah. where different stocks are sold on different markets at the same time, mm -hmm. and people take advantage of the pricing and the exchange rate, the little advantages, and do it in in high enough volume so that they make money that way. Yeah, and so that's one of the region, uh, one of the reasons. Sorry, I said one of the regions because it's one of the reasons for region locking. Right. Because when there's difference in prices, you don't want people doing that, right? Especially right. when you're moving units en masse. Right. So you don't want to lose that market in the in the place with the lower uh, cost of living. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, not the lower cost of living, lower living standards. What yeah. am I talking about? Yeah, yeah. So you don't want to lose that market. You still want to get money out of them, but you also don't want to do that. Oh, this is perfect. Yeah. In the news lately, um, the U.S., Trump has said that he would be putting into effect legislation that would allow U.S. Uh, Americans to import cheaper drugs from Canada. So the U.S. has, I guess they've got rules against, um, what's their Medicare thing called? I guess it's Medicare. Against Medicare negotiating a better price on drugs with Big Pharma. And that's probably yeah. a result of Big Pharma having the lobbyists and influencing the legislature legis I was going to say legislature legislators into not passing rules that and laws that are um, that make it harder for them to make money yeah so this is all kinds of ridiculous because this is this is actually there's a limited resource. It's not like a game where you can actually just generate more really easily yeah it's drugs not, it's not just like a price point. Right, so this is the exact same problem we're running into, but it's you, it, once the U.S. does that, um, if they do that, I guess I don't know if Big Pharma will allow them to, but if they do that, all of a sudden, any kind of the equivalent of region locking is out the window. Yeah, and it would increase the price of drugs in Canada because people would be buying it, right? They'd be using our supply. Well, the, even let's say let's say there's the price can't change because of what the government's negotiated with the drug makers, what w it will happen is there'll be a shortage. Yeah. So the, I guess it depends on whether the pharmaceutical companies are willing to keep on supplying Canada at the same rate or even more to meet the demand or whether they'd actually cut the supply to Canada. So it would be in their best interest to make, to give Canadians less. So the Americans would be forced to buy their own supply. Yeah. Oh, we'd be screwed. Right, because you'd, you'd have people who would have the resources to pay significantly more while still having significant savings themselves, right? Right. Than Canada would, so it doesn't make sense to... It would make sense to sell as little as possible to Canada. Right, and as little as possible might mean less than Canada's already getting. Yeah. And right now, there have been shortages of certain drugs, and I, I off the top of my head, I don't know what, 
but I know that certain things like uh, certain blood pressure medications, I know for a point, at one point there was a shortage of EpiPens, mm-hmm. you know, what people use when they've got allergies and get oh, anaphylactic yeah. reactions. Yeah, I remember that. I remember hearing about that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, this, this sort of economic feature of, you know, the gaming industry is definitely more generally applicable. Right. But what I think is really interesting is when, you know, major game sales, right, during Steam sales, right? Yeah. You can talk about how you can make money on a large scale with this, but you'll also probably find people who are willing to make money on a small scale where they will literally say, I'm from this country, this is the cost of all my games in X dollars, right? right. That's the conversion to US. Uh, I am willing to buy any of these games if you add me as a friend. I will send them as a gift to you right. and you can PayPal me the money. Right. And so there's, there's, you know, definitely a lot of sort of really uh, not... There's opportunities to leverage the position that you are, yeah. that you're in, to get make some more money for yourself. Yeah, Is but that- I, I, think, I think, you know, there's some interesting considerations when pricing stuff right especially in games when it's because it's a very specific type of good right digital goods are uh different than a lot of other and it's discretionary so it's not like one of those things where people have to buy your game yeah not only do they not have to buy your game they can buy a different game but they could decide not to buy any games at all and use their money to entertain themselves other ways yeah and i think what's interesting about it is because for a lot of games especially for triple a games i I think the breakdown is different on mobile games so when you say triple a games you mean like console pc sort of i mean like the 60 dollar tentpole like releases all right so the big big studios right okay yeah uh people who play a lot of video games probably don't value their time that heavily if you if you have the opportunity to play a lot right uh, and it, it depends on i i think a, a little bit on like the platform that you're playing it on and the point in life that you are right because there's a lot of young players right right and especially on a platform like steam where anybody with a computer can have steam right these kids probably don't have jobs Right, and if you spend a lot of time playing video games, you have a very limited amount of income. Right, if you right. can, if you can spend all this time, even if you're not making much per sale, right. if you can spend this time sort of working in the cracks based off of the country that you're oh, in, right, okay. you can make enough money to like buy another game. Okay. And when a game like CS:GO, where people will buy it for like I don't know, like twenty something bucks, right, yeah. and it'll last them like hundreds or thousands of hours, right, right? Uh, it, it's interesting the amount of sort of legwork and okay. sort of sketchy back channels that people are gonna are willing to go through for yes. not a lot of money because right. of the way because that they, they undervalue their time or not even undervalue their time. Cause I think for some of them, their alternative, their, is, their alternative is paying for, right. You know, because their time actually games. is not that valuable yeah. because they're really generating. Co- All right. So I've got a perfect example of this. Yeah. Um, when I was younger in Toronto, there was a record store called Sam, the record man, mm-hmm. every boxing day, they, so for people who are not in Canada, boxing day is a big deal. It's, it used to be our big sale day, the day after Christmas, it's um, sort of like Black Friday. Yeah, it was. Yeah, although now it seems like even Canada or you know non-U.S. countries have adopted the idea of Black Friday. Yeah, we have Black Friday now too, and Cyber Monday, and not in large part because you know everybody's buying stuff from Amazon anyways. Right. So everybody has Black yeah. Friday. So Sam the Record Man would have uh, tapes and records and eventually CDs uh, on sale, like universally, where everything was at least twenty percent off. Yeah. And so for one day, so if you were looking for something really obscure that was not that popular, that wouldn't go on sale like the, the mainstream stuff would. Yeah, that, stuff that nobody would ever bother to put on sale because they weren't looking at it. Right, and they had so little of it that they're not trying to appeal to a, a broader audience. 
that would be the day to go down to so i would go down with some of my friends and we would be down outside sam the record man at like seven in the morning the day after christmas and spend you know a couple hours in line and then hours shopping because of the deal and when you think about how much we'd be saving we probably even back then we still would have been better doing it with a like a minimum wage job yeah getting a job and, and then just bu- buying the records right for full um, price but it, that's exactly what you're talking about right yeah. like i i live that yeah and you weren't undervaluing your time because it probably <coughs> would have been hard to like you would have had to restructure your life to have a job in which you were making money right. in that way my, right it would have been i was appropriately valuing my time but my time was not very valuable yeah yeah and so i i think it's it's interesting because i think the mobile game market is totally different right where a lot of these purchases are actually people putting a price tag on their time right pretty directly right, right? where i think the mobile market has a lot more opportunity for people who you know have jobs don't have a lot of time to dedicate to playing games, right? The kind of right. person who's willing to play like a big, massive, like 80 hour open world game, right? Right. right? Is, you know, in some cases, uh, people who have, you know, jobs and it's their way of relaxing and they'll play it over the right. course of like right. years or months or whatever after. But I think they're the bread and butter of the gaming industry is probably not people or for the AAA gaming industry. That's what I'm saying specifically it, you know, a lot of the people who are playing a lot of games, right. And have all this time to sink in don't have, as valuable time whereas you know the mobile market most of what they're doing is saying hey uh pay money f- to either reduce this frustration or reduce this time and in the cases that people are reducing the time they're spending it is because they're specifically saying this is the value that my time has right that right. is interesting versus like the triple a game market where you're paying money to have more entertainment right right, right. you're getting sort of less play value out of spending money on in-app purchases in most but, mobile games but the game design is different too right so the if you're talking about the console games they're designed to give you an experience and a lot of mobile games are designed to sort of give you an experience but to try to squeeze a little bit more money out of you to make you want to spend more money yeah after getting it free you're getting it their, really cheap. Their, their payment structures are different right where once you've paid money up front what they want to do is either squeeze more money out from in-app purchases in the same way that games do if they can get away with it. But at the end of the day, because you have paid them money, mm-hmm. uh, they want you to have a positive experience so that you will buy the sequel, so that you will give it a good review, so that you will right. maybe tell your friends about it. So they right. have more motivation to, in one way or another, make you feel like you've gotten value for it. Right. Because, you know, it is gaming is, you know, in a lot of cases, social in one way or another, or informed by the opinions of other people right. in one way or another. Right. So they're they're motivated to bring more eyeballs and more money to it. And the best way they can do that, or not the best way, but one of the good ways they can do that is making people feel like they've had a good time with it because that right. translates into other people maybe purchasing a- it. As opposed to Injustice, where it's a free-to-play game, it looks really nice, yeah. you can get pretty far. This is what always amazed me about Injustice was that for uh, a free-to-play game, yeah. they did not put up much of a paywall for years. Mm-hmm. So you could make good progress in the game. You could have pretty much all the content without spending a dime. Yeah. And I've always appreciated that, although now with all the pack rotations that are all cash now... It's I, much harder. It's much harder. It's still... I mean, I guess it's hard to imagine the frustration that other people feel when oh this was lucky because this is a batman ninja team and it looks like catwoman is coming in last so she gets none of her revives okay so anyways do you you know what i actually think it is though i think when we started playing it was a game that was 
had a ton of content, but was ultimately for completionists if you wanted it to be. And it was an advertising uh, uh, sort of vehicle for the console game. Yeah, but the longer that it's gone on, for new people coming in, it has become less and less possible to be a completionist. And it's already, even for people who start from the beginning, you can't have everything maxed out anymore, right? right? Just because of how augments work, right? Right. So it has slowly moved further and further away from a completionist game. And I think to new players coming in with the purchasing packs, it has fully moved away from that, where it's you know, one of the things that it did was make it harder to grind and harder to get better right. teams. But another thing that it did was make it almost impossible, uh, like on a, on a really he- like on an even greater scale, to be completionist to the point where you can't even, uh, y- you you are specifically purposefully disadvantaged compared to people who uh, started playing the game earlier. But right. I think the nature of the game has shifted enough that it's possible that, you know, I think definitely people are coming in and being frustrated that they can't, you know, get everything the same way, right? right? right. Especially when they see other people with it, right? right? But I think it's moved far enough away that I think maybe that's a lower proportion of the player base going and expecting to be, you know, getting everything. Right. So it's a different game for them. Yeah. Even though it's the same game, it's a different experience for them. Yeah, it's, there's there's a sort of, I think, a like a inherent difference in objectives where if you come in and stay for any length of time i think you have a different understanding of where you're going to end up right. if you start playing now right. versus if you started playing when we were playing because we got everything at one and, point and it i guess it's still flipped for us a little bit because as new characters came out um we've made a conscious choice not to be completions in the in, in the sense at least that none of our flash one team for example are elite seven never mind elite ten yeah uh, and you know, part of that is just you know that. But we still we still collect the extra copies. We do. That's the thing. So we're we're still we're still in a very real way try to complete as much as we can. But we have long since had to give up on the dream of being actually fully completionist because that used to be the thing. Right. Every time an update would drop, it used to be as quickly as possible, return to a state in which you had literally everything at its best possible right. level, elite right. like you know gear whatever at, at its highest possible sort of power level right right and that that can't be it anymore so they've made you know move after move away from it and i think that uh pack one is the one that was the most sort of on purpose in the sense that everything else was sort of coincidental by adding content that added a massive amount of required playtime yeah. or added a really sort of slow drip feeding whereas this one was just removing sort of the ability to expand your collection in a way that used right. to exist right without real money yeah, I I don't I guess I still don't have a, a good enough sense of what that means for the long term future of the game. I think it feels not mean, but it feels like bad well, in a way that makes me less charitable towards the game. And it sucks because the game has given so much, right? But it I think it definitely puts a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth because right, right. it, it is very sort of like explicit in its cash grabby nature right right in a way that uh, yeah. like the other stuff is so the same be, way be cash grabby just don't be so obvious about it yeah <laughs> give us some entertainment value for it i mean i still i still feel that the best way to spend money is the energy recharges yeah because it if you actually value the game properly then yeah. what you're spending on the chance to play more yeah so you, you're valuing content yes or time at least because technically it's not adding any extra content but you're valuing entertainment time which is the same sort of model that you would use for like you know quote unquote like good games right 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 right. versus the sort of more mobily thing where they're like we will make this experience less 
annoying for you in a way that is totally artificial. Right. Yeah, and that's crazy, right? Because how often do you have a, a console game that intentionally annoys you? Yeah, uh, I think I mentioned this before, but I'll say it again now. Uh, Soda Dungeon is a great game that does in-app purchases really right. Uh, initially, I think when it first came out, there was like a single in-app purchase, and it was to like remove ads for like 99 cents, but you could also buy the ability to remove ads with in-game currency okay. uh, in a way that was like really easy to get when you actually were playing for like a couple days right so uh and they've slowly added more in-app purchases into it uh but they've never strayed to being bad they're in a lot of cases it's actually uh like the the stuff that you can buy is stuff that is good at a certain point and it can speed up your experience with it but i think it's actually in most cases more fun to play it the intended way and the way that they play where things are constantly, like, doubling, because it's an idle game, right? So yeah. the numbers are constantly basically, like, multiplying, right. where the stuff is unobtainable, unobtainable, unobtainable until it's really easy to get. Right. And there's sort of a switch some at some point in it, right? So it's one of those things where the in-app purchases will, you know, definitely give you a boost, but it's actually quite fun to play it the intended way. And Soda Dungeon 2 is in development. I've been following that, actually, for... A long time now because I'm excited for whenever that comes mm. up. But so Soda Dungeon's a good mobile game. If you like idle games, uh, it's it's an enjoyable sort of dungeon RPG thing. Right. So there's there's a plug for content if you want it. And there we go. I wasn't expecting uh, our discussion from one question and one talking point to last as long. We so thought this can, video was going to be about half an hour. Yeah, and we actually had another question. I think we could probably squeeze it in in the, the few minutes that we've got left. Yeah, so our last question comes from Matthew Bergner, and they say, Guys, I really hope you read this and are willing to take some time out of your already busy injustice schedule to help me out. And first off, I really like that because <laughs> you're sort of, I think you're overvaluing our time here. Uh, <laughs> that to, fits to in with the theme today. Yeah, to, to bring it back around, where if you've asked the question, uh, I, but that's a, that's a very polite way of saying mm. it because I think I don't think he's overvaluing our time I think maybe just everybody else including us might be undervaluing our own time but uh, you know it's content we're making content that's by right. answering your question so it's you know you are also providing value by asking it but I, I think that's just a very yeah. nice way of yeah. asking yeah. Uh, so that's a, that's a strong start uh, to the question I've recently been playing around with Batman Arkham Knight uh, recently oh sorry I I said recently twice they didn't say recently twice it's it's been 49 minutes of talking you'll have to forgive me yeah. um and trying on different gear combos and i think i've come across a pretty good one but i need some verification and for the life of me i can't seem to work out the math so basically i set him up with quake engine fourth world godly mace and tattoo totem starting the match with two bars of power and crit buff is making for a great deal of special two splash damage but the godly mace seems to negate the damage boost provided by the quake engine specials do 50 percent more damage against opponents with less than one bar of power is that the case or am i just tripping if that is the case what would be a nice third gear to use instead of quake engine i've also played around with his starting power crit buff special one buff and paired him with some splashy special one gear adept knives tantu totem and lexcore gauntlets what do you guys think what's the better use of power during a fight and what would be the best way to gear batman out as a special specialist if you've already made a batman arkham knight video then i apologize i watch your videos weekly but maybe i'm too late to the party for that one look forward to hearing from you and this is a really good question i think this is um sort of the platonic ideal of a uh gameplay question to me because it gives a lot of information it shows <laughs> that the person is clearly thinking about stuff experimenting for themselves already right right uh and also it's nice to us yeah and, and, it, and it mentions right in there that you watch our videos weekly right. the only the only thing that would have been better is if they say i like all your videos as soon as they come out <laughs> 
Um, all right, so yeah, I, I love this question actually. Yeah, so thanks so much for the question. Exactly those reasons, and there's more than enough information to really get a sense of what they're trying to achieve. So yeah. you've got Batman, Batman Arkham Knight. One thing I would suggest, and I'm going to link to the video in the description, and if I remember also in the eye and top right corner, but I'm not so good at that because the videos are so long, so it's harder to put those little, um, little what are those called? I can't the remember. Cards? I don't the know. The cards. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's, if you're going to be playing and you don't mind cheating a little bit, you can actually give him three of the um, boosts at the beginning of the game, and the, the video explains how and how it works. Um, so picking three boosts is actually better. And here's the thing about Tantu Totem and the Fourth World Godly Mace. So Fourth World Godly Mace only gives you 15% splash damage, which in the Brave New World of Tantu Totem is actually not a lot. 50% on a good special one is much better and the, your priority with Tantu Totem should always be to knock out the opponent to get all your power back. Yeah. So if you do not, if you sacrifice some of the power or the damage that Special 2 does in exchange for some splash damage on two of the other guys, which is effectively only 30% boost, 30% mm-hmm. boost spread out over two different guys, Yeah. not worth it. I, now, I think... And again, this depends very heavily on what your threshold is. So what we're saying here is that the 30% spread out over two guys is probably worse than dealing with your main guy because it seems very unlikely that your attacks will definitely knock out the first guy in but yeah. that that you need that extra damage to knock out the second and third guys once you get to them yeah because that only makes sense if the first guy coming in is the one with the least amount of health and the numbers line up so it seems like that splash damage is not going to be the threshold difference to you knocking right. them out or not knocking them now, out so I, it's not valuable i can't remember i know that i remember the mace would drain power on special two or have a chance that i can't remember if it actually offered a boost to special two and from what i remember it's not enough to make it worth just giving say increasing the crit chance and so I'm going to go against the grain of most people, and I actually recommend a two and a half star gear, which is Demon Blade, which is the only gear that will not only boost Special Two, but increase the crit chance of Special Two. And when you combine that with Tantu Totem, you're pretty much close to, if not at, a hundred percent crit chance on Special Two, and that makes a bigger difference than doing anything else. Yeah, and I guess it's nice to have the boost on Quake Engine um, to uh, against. A, an opponent that has less than one bar power um, and that is all it, almost surely enough to guarantee the uh, the knockout and mm-hmm. you really only you really only run into trouble not having splash damage if you are facing somebody who's not in first slot with Astro Harness mm-hmm. that's where the biggest advantage comes from because with his special two I mean Really, there shouldn't be any chance if you're starting with two bars of power. There shouldn't be any chance that you're gonna um, not be able to knock them out. Yeah, because it's it's a multi-hit special. Um, I guess if they have a revive, because it's back end loaded in the in the last hit, that that you might have trouble with somebody like a Blackest Night team where they're not reviving. In which case, you'd want to do something different. But I mean. The, the other thing is, if you've seen in our game where we switch out the gears in the middle of the fight, yeah, you could actually just adjust your gears depending on who you're facing and then make him a special one specials and then do that loadout that you, you like with the Adept Knives and the Lexor Gauntlets to give him a really uh, high damage special one, do a bunch of splash damage, and soften up um because it's multiple hit, right? Mm-hmm. So they revive. If you've got any hits left in it, you're going to be doing more damage. Yeah. So that's some general advice. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have an answer to your specific 
math question, right? And whether or not it's uh, doing something that it shouldn't be, or if you're just tripping. I mean, uh, if it feels like it to you, there's a decent chance that even if it shouldn't be, you're right. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, the game has a lot of weird sort of, like, little quirks, right? Right, like, like Raging Green Lantern feels like he's doing more power gen, like, way more than just a 5% power gen boost compared to uh, animated Harley Quinn. Yeah. So, uh, we can't speak to it specifically, because I guess when you talked about our busy Injustice schedule, that's one thing that we didn't have time for, yep. which is actually, you know, play it and try to test it with and without to figure it out. But um, I would say if it feels that way, it almost doesn't matter if it is that way or not. Because if it feels that way consistently, then it's probably worth switching out your gear, especially because we, you know, have potential suggestions for you to switch out your gear anyways. Right. Right? Um, yeah, so and, the original question was, which should you, uh, they use instead of the Quake engine? Yeah. And I'm saying keep Quake engine and swap out the uh, Fourth World Godly Mace. So there you go. That's maybe a bit um, of a oh, unexpected. And, and we do actually have a few... It might be a bit of a dig. If you just search YouTube with BDCKR... And Arkham Knight Batman, we've used Arkham Knight Batman in a bunch of different ways. In the uh, multiplayer fight videos, we always talk about the strategy. Yeah. So it, I think our tags are not great, though. I think if you're trying to look for the videos and it's a team video, you might not be able to find the specific ones that use one character. So that might be our fault. That's that. true. But I remember we had, like, you know, an Injustice 2 Superman with Arkham Knight Batman team as our sort of, at that time, it was the best team, even though they didn't really have a lot of synergy. They were just so darn good individually that the team that they were were great for fighting hackers. Yeah. So that was the remember the Ares hacker that had the mm. timer. So even though it was a real character, they they if you didn't beat them within a certain amount of time, you would automatically lose the yeah. fight. Yeah, because the timer was tied to the character instead of uh, breakthrough, for some reason. Right. Um, so maybe I will try to. I could. I mean, if I'm not too slow, I could create uh, a playlist of all the Arkham Knight Batman. Fights. Yeah, if we're willing to take some time out of our busy injustice schedule. I'm I like sorry. the question. I I'm like enough. the turn of phrase. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate the question enough to do that. And I think that that brings us to the end of our questions. And this is our last fight. So maybe we can talk through the last fight. Perfect. Which we probably don't need to do. Yeah, but just right here at the top, I'd like to give a huge thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Uh, I'd like to thank Console Peasant, who is supporting us at the highest last word tier. John Oriema at the Your Message Here tier. Sean Farrell, Daniel Simonson, Aaron Mall, and Michael DeVries, who support us on the credited level, and Eddie G and Chris Wolf at the gratitude level. Right. And so we're just going to play this one out. I mean, this is, there's nothing really fancy about this. There's no, no, no Astro Harness. So this was a relatively Fast. easy fight. Fast is yeah. the, is the operative word for grinding fights, right? Especially yep. uh, for what we're trying to do here, which is just get battle points and phantom zone objectives right right so there we go awesome all right so yeah thank you guys so much for watching we'll see you next time komoda, komoda.